Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse, and I'm Eric, and today we're reading short and deep, "The Haunted Tomb" by C. H. Shannon, Association of. Uh, it says A S M I C E, and that it's something like. The Association of... No, no, no. It's Associate Member. Associate the... Member. That's what it is. Of Institute of Civil Engineers. I'm pretty sure that what that's what it stands for. Um, I, I've, not, I've never seen anybody stick that on the end of their name before. Uh, but apparently that institution is still around. It was like started in the early 19th century and it's still around. And apparently that was the 19th century was the period of time where everybody was... You know, sort of copying the Royal Society and adding, you know, making the, making a professional association. Uh, this is the only story um, in the magazine I got it from, the Wide World Magazine, July 1915, um, where somebody has appended uh, such a title to the last part of their name. However, there is one person who has it at the front part of their name, and they're a right honorable um, another person I'd never heard of before. Oh, and there's a lieutenant there as well. Um, the right honorable, that's usually... A captain. Uh, is there a captain as well? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, there. You're right. Um, a right honorable is usually for a prime minister or a former prime minister. So, uh, I'm not sure who the target audience for this magazine is. It's, it, it was unknown to me before I got it, but it's a kind of an interesting magazine. They take, um different stories it says down the bottom of the t uh, table of contents the editor invites travelers explorers tourists missionaries and others to send in curious and remarkable photographs they have and then for these and the true stories of adventure liberal payment will be made according to the value of the material every narrative must be strictly true in every detail and a written statement to this effect must be furnished the author must also if possible furnish portraits of the leading character or characters even if it be himself together with any with any other available photographs and portraits of places persons and things which in any way heighten the realism and actuality of the narrative all manuscripts should blah blah blah, blah. so i take it to be that this is supposed to be 100 percent a true story and i was working on the maths in this story to see, you know, how this all lines up. I think it's technically possible, <laughs> at least in some respects, but I'm not sure the science works. Um, when I was looking through this magazine, I just saw the title was The Haunted Tomb. And then it has these wonderful, there's two wonderful two full-page illustrations. And... Um, that made me read it because it it's it's really cool. The illustrations are cool. The t concept is cool. Story idea is pretty cool. But if it's not a true story, does that make it not a cool story? <laughs> that is a that is a really good question. Um, I I think we should first remind ourselves that the story is uh, the the form and. Uh, basic content of the story it is uh, a story um, that you have already nested 
within a magazine of putatively true stories. Mm-hmm. And then within that, we have a story in which we have a headnote saying the author writes, and then we have, you know, this story was told to me by so-and-so, mm-hmm. um, which presumably uh, was lifted from the letter that the author, J C.H. Uh, Shannon, um, sent when C.H. Shannon sought to contribute this story to Wide World magazine. Um, and then follows after the head note saying, this is a story that was told to me, we get a story of him being told a story. That mm-hmm. is, you're right, Sahib, as you say, I have seen many things. <clears throat> and so we have the, the overall magazine nesting, thanks to you, um, the story, presumably other stories. You've got the whole magazine, if you tell me you do. Mm-hmm. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it. Um, and then we have within the story, The Haunted Tomb, uh, editorial matter by C.H. Uh, Shannon, Asosh, M. Inst, C.E., um, illustrated by Frank Wright. Then a, an excerpt from the author's uh, letter of transmittal, presumably. Mm-hmm. And then you are right, Sahib, as you say, I have seen many strange things in my life. Do you see that tomb over yonder? Shall I tell you a story about it? And then begins the story that Harnam Singh presumably said to C.H. Shannon when C.H. Shannon was serving in India as an associate civil engineer Mm -hmm. uh, and worrying about the salt department. Apparently, salt smuggling was a big deal. And in the story, we have a thorny hedge, a line of like the Berlin Wall, separating the native territories from the British territories in the Punjab And people are trying to smuggle salt across without paying the salt tax. Mm -hmm. Uh, Salt in those days being something taxable, as it had been for centuries in European environments. Um, And this tomb, we are reported, nearby, um, has a ghost. It seems it's got a ghost. Different people see the ghost in different ways. Um, But as the knowledge of the ghost becomes more widespread, the smugglers stop um, trying to get across. They don't get uh, uh, the places unpopulated, it seems. And yet salt does come across. Um, but people avoid the uh, tomb. So um, according to Harnam Singh's story, an earlier um, British functionary has decided that, aha, the salt smugglers must have something to do with it. And this strange ghost, which looks different to each person who reports it, um, appears to them not the first night, but the second night. But it appears the first night they don't find it. It disappears into a wall. The second night they manage to to shoot it and they follow it. And what they find is a hyena dead in the tomb, which is otherwise full of salt. And the conclusion is that salt smugglers must have trained a hyena to go out and wander around. They've put chemicals on the hyena so that it will glow in an unearthly way. Mm-hmm. The fact that different people see it in different ways is just has to do with it being frightened, um, which is odd because everybody in every native in the story is named Singh. And that means that they are Sikhs who are known for being the fiercest fighters that the British employed mm-hmm. and the fiercest fighters in India previously employed by 
the local uh, monarchs. Um, and much is made of that. We're in fact told that even though you're a Singh, you're afraid. Uh, so we're reminded of this. Um, and so we get a simple explanation. And then he says, oh, there's another story here. Ah, but you're, you're looking sleepy. And the story <laughs> just ends. Now, it seems to me that this is in fact fictional. Uh, there are many reasons that it's. I think of it as fictional, but I will simply I'll hold them back because I don't want to keep you from talking. I will say this though: mm-hmm. whether the story is fictional or factual, the the fact of the nesting from the editorial comments, you know, everything must be true and asserted, mm-hmm. um, to the editor to the author excerpt from the author to all of the nesting is meant, I think, to create a sense of reality that we know is somehow at the heart of the fiction. And that passage back and forth between the fictional and the factual, it seems to me, is paralleled by the thorny hedge (laughs) that runs between the native territories where ghosts are perceived as reasonable and the British territories where they are perceived as mere native superstitions. So to the extent that this story gives us a nice bit of imagery to question the nature of storytelling itself, I find it a very worthy story. Mm-hmm. More that I'm thinking about, but I want to give you a chance, Jesse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you crystallized some stuff going on in my back of my mind that I was worried about. Um, so... I was thinking about how there's there's a magazine I I read a lot from uh but don't actually post much from uh called Ghost Stories. It was a competitor to Weird Tales. Um and its its editor was a guy named Bernard McFadden, a very strange man who also had a uh much more popular magazine called Liberty. Um he was it's it's hard to describe his politics other than he was both for and against FDR. Um, he was an anti-vaxxer at a time when vaccines were were much more, um, you know, uh, prominent in in the public mind as as wonder-working devices, right? Um, and he had a magazine called Ghost Stories where he would pay money for uh, true ghost stories. Um, the problem was is based on advertising with within the magazine. People uh, th- that said, do not send us this, do not send us that, like sort of a list of things not to do. We could see what kind of problems uh, were developed. I-, I-, I can infer what kind of problems were developing. That is, people are sending in fake stories, um, but trying to slip them past, right, <laughs> as real stories. Here, right. uh, in this story, it's very interesting because I I think C.H. Shannon was a real person. Uh, I just think it's likely I also think that it's likely that he was told a story. Um, and in that sense, I think everything up to basically the first page break on the second column of the first page is probably uh, as factual as you can make it, you know, given that uh, he's translating uh, his memory into into a story. Uh, but then the story itself, the nested within story, is is full of lots of little detail that make me think that, yeah, CHN was in India and that he knows what he's talking about in terms of where things are. The, the town mentioned is a real town, uh, the, you know, that there is a salt department and a public works department. 
and um, that they, this is how headmen are called, and all of that sort of stuff. I think that's all real. There's a battle mentioned um, from 1845 that uh, Harnam Singh, that's the inner narrator, um, he says, I knew this man uh, in battle when he came to me. Uh, here, I'll just read it. It's uh, the second column of the first page. He was shaking like a leaf, and I, had I not been with him at Feroza Shah and had known of his pluck from experience, I would have said that he was a coward. Uh, Feroza Shah is a battle between uh, uh, the Sikh Khalsa, the army of the Sikh um, independence, and uh, the East India Company. So it's a army, uh, you know, fighting against occupation by, you know, the forces of, I don't know, capitalism out of the UK. And now here he is talking to a later, uh, after the Raj, but still an Indian uh, guy, a, 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 a white man who is much younger. Shannon must be much younger than... Uh, uh, Harnam Singh, because he says a little later on that he's a that this story happened when you were a babe and my first grandchild was just born. So he's got to be very elderly at this point. The Battle of 1845 story comes out uh, 1915, and he says that the story takes place happened to me. That is, Shannon says the story happened to me 15 years ago, which would make it uh, 1900. And then we have this other problem, which is the the solution to this Scooby-Doo-style mystery is lifted, possibly, seems likely, from The Hound of the Baskervilles, which came out in 1901. <laughs> so there's something fishy about this whole story. On the other hand, the details, I think, are pretty detailed. It, like it, it that sneaking past the border thing, you know, smuggling things in. I think that that is essentially what he's done: is he smuggled in a a fake story as a real story? You know, there's no photographs provided; these are drawings, <laughs> and they pretty much have to be right. You're hitting point after point that I that I also uh, agree with. I just come to a slightly different conclusion about. I mean, I I love that you're saying that that he meaning the author, has snuck um, or sneaked. Smuggled, uh, yeah. Smuggled the story into a magazine that has only true stories. It's not clear to me that the magazine has only true stories um, because the only example of the contents of the magazine that I've seen is this. Mm. Um, most most what, of the other ones have, like, photographs. As, as you can see by the title page, you know, it says illustrations and photographs. Um, um, sure. Uh, I'm looking at it and it says it all says illustrations, but it can say so it says illustrations from from photographs. Mm. So, <laughs> you know, if the if the whole magazine itself is a send up um, now, then when I say it's a send up, I don't mean necessarily that that people are supposed to understand that it's a send up. Maybe for for instance, if I, if I may make a parallel, um, there are girly magazines, once called, um, you know, magazines that show women um, that no actual woman ever looked like. You know, I mean, it takes cosmetic surgery mm. and and airbrushing and 
and and they indulge if if you watch pornography people indulge in practices that I think were invented for pornography. If people now do them, you know, like happily jump the pizza delivery boy, I think they've learned it from the pornography. Right. That it wasn't true to begin with. But if you look at the titles, you know, says, you know, so and so's first such and such. Come on, really, was her first such and such <laughs> in front of a camera? Right. So the worldwide yeah, that's magazine. A, that's a fantasy for sure. Of course it's a fantasy. And the worldwide magazine we're told here is British, but it's the American edition of it is published by someone or other in London for the international news company on Duane Street in New York City. Now I don't know if there really is a British version of this. I don't know. What I've only I got one issue. One issue is the only issue I have. Exactly. And that you know, this is this looks to me as if the whole thing is the fantasy it, it's it's a fantasy of what reality might be because each of these real things is given the authentic the authority of authenticity which is supposed to give us a frisson and as you say this frisson with the haunted tomb disappears when we find the explanation it's the scooby-doo you know <laughs> oh i take off the mask and it's our neighbor mr wilson from down the road but think about it. Have you ever, ever, ever heard of a tame hyena? No. <laughs> a trained hyena that could go out and do stuff on its own? No. A super large hyena, which out on its own still wouldn't attack, but would in fact menace human beings? Doesn't happen. So I look at this and I see that the, uh, the glowing head of the hyena is justified by a footnote that says that a similar device was used by Arthur Conan Doyle in The Hound of the Baskervilles. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that I can find zero reference to C.H. Shannon anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and I, th I say to myself, hmm, I wonder if C.H. Shannon is a pseudonym for Arthur Conan Doyle who snuck, he smuggled his story of his fiction into this. What I don't know is whether or not this magazine is full of nothing but smuggled salt. What I do see, though, in the story within the story within the story, is that we keep getting these, these words in Hindi or whatever language presumably the Sikh is, uh, is borrowing from when he speaks English. Punjabi, probably. Could be Punjabi, yes. Um, and then we have, I don't know either language, so I can't uh, guess, but it could be since it's happening in the Punjab. Um, and then parenthetically, he gives the English. Now, what we don't know from the way this is published, it's printed, is whether it is C.H. Shannon who is telling us what the word means in English, because otherwise he is absolutely accurate in recording word for word what Harnam Singh said to him. Or if he is basically recreating the story, you know, not worrying about exactness. After all, he didn't tape record it in 19. Mm -hmm. Right. And he's just he himself, having lived in India, C.H. Shannon as a civil engineer, um, he himself is using the nativisms the way, you know, you, you listen to. 
people, commentators on TV these days, and they use words like kibitz and uh, uh, other schadenfreude. They borrow mm. words that they've heard and they use them. But until the words become known, you sort of, do you put it in parentheses? I'll tell you where you put it in parentheses, my friend. I have a number of friends who are much more learned in Jewish lore than I am. And some of them have the habit of saying in English, and then they tell me parenthetically what it means. And they know goddamn well that I don't understand Hebrew. So why are they going and then telling me in English? Because they are proving to me how deeply connected they are with that culture. And they are saying this to establish their own authority, right. they're crossing the boundary between the native and the European. And that's another aspect of the style here. This style of using those foreignisms gives Shannon, I believe a fictional Shannon, um, who's really Arthur Conan Doyle, a very smart man and a physician by training. But anyway, Shannon, real or false, it gives him a kind of authority. So the style, the use of direct quotation, the reference to particular institutions and battles, all of this is to make this thing look real. But the heart of the story is a god darn trained hyena. <laughs> so I'm with you, my friend. I think this is a, an act. This is an enactment of smuggling. <laughs> There My is, only question is whether or not the Worldwide Magazine is nothing but smuggling. Well, it would be a, quite a job for one person. Uh, you know, it, many of the other articles are fully accompanied. There's one. Uh, it's it's it says it's part of a series. I assume that there are m many more magazines in this in this magazine's run. It's um, I don't see. Does it say the volume number? It doesn't on the. Nope. Okay. I mean, let's see if I've, I've, I've got it here. It says number 207, volume 35. Oh, come on. It's entirely possible because they, I mean, it seems unlikely, but it, it's 237 and you? 207, volume so, 35. So you are such a good hunter of these things, Jesse. 207 and you can't find another one? Well, volume thirty-five. I've even been if surprised. The annual volumes. It means this thing lasted close to this thing lasted close to twenty years. It's it, it's surprising. I've I've been constantly surprised. Like there are magazines. That, there's one magazine called the Red Magazine that I know it exists because of so many citations going to it. I've never seen a copy. Um, and I've been hunting for it for a long time. It's because it's a UK magazine. Um, I, I can't. I, I don't remember the person who scanned this one, but this would be such a put-up job, uh, and for no point, given how much uh, you know. It's. it's uh, does it say how many pages is? Yeah, it's. I think it starts on page one ninety-five. So, it's not. Uh, it's it's oh, it's one hundred sixteen pages, including front and back cover. So it's it's got ads and it's got. I, I believe this is a real magazine <laughs> and that it was made by multiple people because the job it would take and the, the fact that there are many photographs in here of there's one called A Woman Alone in China, part two, on page 257. 
Uh-huh. Um, and that has illustrations including, uh, sorry, pictures of Mary Gaunt in China. Um, no, it's just never... illustrations from photographs. Uh, yes, and it also has photographs. So it... it... You, you do know that Virginia Woolf's Orlando is full of photographs. Uh, no, I've never read Orlando. Well, it's a terrific novel, and it is a fantasy, and and it has photographs. Yeah, the, these uh, these could have been retouched. I just I think that um, it's 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 not so profound. Like the rest of the stories aren't quite as um, spicy as this one. I guess is the word for it. Uh, when I was reading through it, anyways, I, I didn't read every story all the way through, but Wartime Wanderings in the Italian Alps from photographs. It has, some of them only have photographs, and some of them have uh, both photographs and illustrations. And and many of the f- illustrations are just not all that profound. They're just like of an animal or... So somebody is submitting these stories. Here, here's one. Six weeks... What was it uh, in Lahul, which is also set in India, um, and that's by Lieutenant or Lieutenant C. G. Dowding of the Indian Army, and it says a breezy account of a trip to Lahul on the borders of Tibet after ibex and red bear. The sport was good, and the author managed to see the humorous sides of the mishaps that befell his little party. And then we we have photographs of some of the landscape, and then there's a. Uh, a chamba woman with a load of firewood and two of the author's coolies. And then there's also an illustration of, you know, them falling down a mountainside, which uh, probably they didn't have a chance to photograph, right? So it's a mix. It, but in this particular case, The Haunted Tomb, mm-hmm. it's so nested. First of all, the guy whose story it is, like if 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 somebody was going to get paid for this story, it should be Harnam Singh, right? Because the bulk of the story is him, and it's all in quotes. Now, I don't think he got paid because I I don't even know if he existed. The town he he talks about exists. Um, the the line that in fact I looked it up. The salt department still exists, which is rather strange considering um you know it's it's changed governments a couple of times um but i also thought it was really interesting to think about this what you know when gandhi did his uh salt march that is the march to the sea to flout the government's laws on on taxing salt the the rajas um or the uh british government's occupation of india most people thought it was a bad idea. <laughs> that is, most of the people who wanted independence thought it was a bad idea. He thought it was a really good idea, and some people agreed with him. And it turned out to be pretty successful. And the reason he thought it was a good idea is because salt is necessary for every person, no matter their caste, right? But it's especially important for the poor people because they have to pay a tax on it. But if they go to the sea and make it themselves, they're flouting the law, but they're also doing it because it's literally necessary for life, right? You cannot, living things of all kinds, especially humans and other animals, need salt. And here we've got this, in fact, we, we're told in the story that, the, that this 
uh, thorny hedge, right, which is sort of an internal border to prevent smuggling, has actually been abandoned and that they don't do this anymore. And yet, uh, another 15 years later, the story is from 1915, that's when that salt march happened. So the practices, right, our, our guy, our Shannon, he's a civil engineer. It's not his job to to uh, man the, the border, border station and guard it with uh, local coolies and natives. Um, as uh, the guy Edgecombe, who the, the guy who actually shoots the hyena, uh, was supposed to have done, and yet he's still being told the stories, just like the original uh, Harnam Singh was there. He says, "I saw this. We did that. I told him stories, just like I'm telling you." I, I really like the way this is nested. It is very well written, even if even if Conan Doyle didn't write it, it's very clever. It is clever. It was written by somebody who writes well. Yeah. Uh, it may be that it was not Conan Doyle. I still think that it's, I mean, maybe there's oh, really a stage shadow. But, uh, but there's no, but uh, one could no reference on this. Point out that, that the real Arthur Conan Doyle believed in ghosts. Yes, he did. And so um, one of the things that I like about the story is that while the particular ghost of the haunted tomb is presumably explained by this bizarre silliness of um, a trained hyena. Um, that doesn't disprove ghosts. No. It only disproves that ghost. In, indeed, uh, uh, Harnam Singh says, I've seen three. <laughs> indeed. Three boots. Indeed. The go uh, so Indian ghost. So this is one of those stories that, I mean, in one way, it looks very simple, and your choice of adjective is wonderful. It's a Scooby-Doo story. It's gothic explique. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also a story about the, the relations between the Europeans, the colonizer and the colonized, truth and fiction, speaker and hearer, language and other language, um, it's entirely a story about border crossings and every way you look at it, even what you are to make of the initials after C.H. Shannon's name mm -hmm. um, leads to one of the great reasons that we tell stories to each other ever, because there is always more to say. And remember... You can always freely access the materials discussed on these podcasts by going to sffaudio.com and clicking on the link for Reading Short and Deep.